Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Welcome to Marriage, Money, and Mayhem. I'm really excited. Today, I have Crystal Ware on, and we have recently been connected through Instagram, which is, I love the power of social media. I know sometimes it gets a bad rep, but I've found so many new friends through Instagram, and she DM'd me, and we just have been chatting over Instagram. We've had a couple of calls, and I'm just excited to dive into your story and hear more about you. Thanks. I'm so excited that we're finally getting to connect and do this. Yeah, we had to cancel this two times, um, all my fault. And I'm like, this is going to be a good one because there has been resistance. And I always think, you know, when there's things that are coming up against something or trying to stop it, I always, I don't know, maybe I'm a little spiritual and woo-woo, but I always think, well, there's a reason behind that. And when it does come out, it's going to be awesome. So I'm excited to dive in. Um, Crystal is a lawyer. She's an entrepreneur and she's an investor, which I love. You guys know, I love my investor women. There, there needs to be way more women in the investing community. And so I'm excited to dive into your story. Maybe for people who don't know you, could you give them a little bit of a background? Yeah, I, um, you know, all I knew when I was growing up is that I really wanted to help people. So ultimately, instead of being a cardiologist, like I had planned on doing my whole life, I went to law school and then realized that after a short one year practicing, you know, it was not for me. I don't think it's for a lot of people. The culture has to be right. The feeling has to be right. Billing your time and hourly or you know, 15 minute increments is not that great. So I... Uh, when I talk about my story, I always talk to people about really the power of the pivot because I stayed open-minded to what, you know, God wanted for me, where we were going, what opportunities and how I could use my law degree. And while I was interviewing after having kind of a, a, a negative start, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that where I was going was going to be great. So when I was asking around, another company said, you know what? Yeah, we work with that company. They're great, but we would love to hire you. And I thought to myself, I might be giving up this identity as a lawyer to take this position as a technically non-legal role, but you know what? Who you work with makes such a huge difference in your life. And so I was literally sitting at the airport, getting my bag weighed to get on a flight to go to Singapore because I quit my job. And they called me and said, you have to decide right now. And I said, why not? Like, let's just try this out. And it really shifted the whole dynamic of where my career was going. I made some other steps along the way. I worked in a Fortune 500, then a Fortune 50, sitting at, you know, um, sitting on a finance committee. I was the only non-CPA. So I got to learn a lot about what all entailed in a Fortune 50 for finances and thought, I really want to do more. I'm going to start a business. So I found a partner, started a business. We basically sold that business into the company I'm currently working with now. And through that, um, I learned about investing. I learned about real estate. I learned about so many other things. Um, and it was all because I had an interest. I had, you know, asked questions. 
didn't accept the status quo and really let the world be open to me. I love that. I love that. So what was your business that you started then? So it was a a small boutique insurance and consulting business because that's what I, I kind of pivoted into from law was doing commercial insurance. And so I started a, um, my own boutique, um, group and then sold, um, my platform into uh, a larger insurance agency that's owned by a bank. Okay. And so currently, are you still working with that company? Do you still work for them? I I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I do. And it's great. I mean, um, I had the infrastructure in place that I was looking for to get the support to make all the pieces in my life work. And um, I just love being able to work uh, with small and mid-sized businesses and have bring them some technical skills that they may not other not otherwise have access to. Um, since usually people that have been in the fortune 50, 500, 1000 kind of usually stay in that arena. And I, I really like working with more, um, you know, real owners of businesses. Love it. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, your, your story is so interesting. And I love that you said you were just open to possibilities. And <laughs> have you always been like that? Did something shift in your life to make you be like, let's just see what happens? Well, I mean, were you scared? Because, you know, most people, if they're like, I went to school to be a lawyer, and then I'm going to just take this different turn, and I'm going to go a different direction. And I've spent all this money. You know, what did that feel like during that time? Were you just, how did that shift for you? Well, I'll tell you on several points. Uh, one, I think I've always been open to possibilities and trying out new things and doing different things. My parents have told me multiple times that when I was a kid and I'd come home and I'd be like, guess what? And they were like, oh crap, what, what? And I would just, you know, have all these ideas. Like, let me try this. Let me do this. And I just continue to bring these ideas to my parents. They were like, where did this child come from? Um, so I think yes, to some degree I was born that way, but I also had a friend, my running friend who, um, was a director of a company at the time who had also made the switch. She was a practicing lawyer who went into risk management. Um, and so that's why I, I, you know, on my podcast, I like to bring different stories to women because when you see somebody else doing it, you have a certain level of comfort. So I am pretty risk averse. I research stuff to death. That's kind of like how I get over. Uh, and then I have to fight my way out of paralysis analysis because I am pretty risk averse. So yes, it was, it was all those things, but then the identity of like, you know, when you're a doctor or a lawyer, it's hard to let go of like what that means to other people. So in seeing how my friend was able to parlay her career and what that brought to her, which by the way, in her case, She makes a ton of money. So I think actually leaving law ended up benefiting her in the long run. Um, But so I think that's why it's really important when you talk about women being investors. I, you know, that's just one example. Like it makes people more comfortable to take the risk when they see that other people who look like them, feel like them, came from a similar background as them, have done it and been at least moderately successful. So I think that's why it's really important for us to share our stories on where we came from, what we're doing, and why we want to do it. Um, for me, that de-risked it to some degree, but it still was scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're just bringing up a point of how powerful community is and how putting ourselves in proximity to people. You just happen to be friends with somebody who has done that. After that, is there, are there things that you do now to make sure you're getting around people who are expanding you, making you think bigger? What does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've talked to my husband about this on occasion. 
about the kind of friends you have and what that looks like and what that feels like. And throughout my life, I have been the, the, the steady Eddie friend, super loyal, not wanting to let go of relationships that may have run their course because it's like, oh, I've known them for 10, 20 years. It's taking me a long time to realize that that is the natural evolution sometimes and that we need to be thankful for the time we had together and then move on. Um, it probably was in going to law school where I really realized, and by the way, I talk people out of going to law school all the time. I do not think it's that great for a big part of people, but there were certain things like this that I learned in that process. And I actively seek out people that, you know, are doing things I want to do. That's, I, I tell people in the two big companies I worked for, I looked for mentors right away. I looked for people that were open to really telling me the secrets to helping me. Um, and, and it didn't matter what they looked like or felt like, or they were, you know, if we really had any commonalities, I mean, it ended up being, you know, um, endurance sports that attracted to me to both of two of my top mentors, one at each, um, that were not in the same area that I was in They but they were senior directors. Um, they were actually men that were much older than me, but we had this endurance. I I'm a marathon or triathlon girl and they both, um, were endurance athletes. So we had that in common and then they would share all their secrets about how it was at other companies. How did you get ahead? How do you get, you know, out there? Um, and I think it's harder to do in some areas, like you mentioned, uh, women in investing. There's not a ton of people out there talking about it. Uh, but for the most part, I think you just have to go out there and do it. And I am not afraid to try to buddy up to people. I'm and not in an unnatural way. Like I'm authentic. I am very transparent. I'm, what you see is what you get. Um, but if you don't, you know, people aren't just sitting around waiting for you you know, for you to walk by and, and strike for them to go out and strike up a conversation for you. You have to make it happen. Yes. It's like that whole thing of like looking for a husband and you're sitting on your couch and not leaving yeah. your house. Like you, we have to actually leave that comfort zone and put ourselves out there. And I love that you found like a common interest. And I don't know if you did that strategically or if that just happened to be a common interest or something that you had in place. Did you do that strategically or did that just kind of- No, it happen? just kind of worked okay. out that way that I knew there were certain people that I just felt an aura about. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I'm social. So I would just make a little conversation as I walk by or grab a coffee or ask a question. And then I don't like talking about business that much. So if you were in a business meeting with me, you'd probably find that I will ask you personal questions for an hour. And then we can talk about a little bit of business for 10 minutes. Um, so <laughs> I, I think I just naturally ask people about themselves and then you see that, oh, look, we have a lot of stuff in common. And yeah. so then it was just like, you know, then they would start talking to me and they would come back and say, hey, did you hear about this event or whatever? Oh, you know, my one friend was going to ride bikes in the Dolomites. And he was like, you want to see some pictures of where we were talking? So it it was a natural evolution, um, but I just wasn't afraid to go there. And I know at one point somebody said, you know, you ask a lot of forward questions and if somebody else asked me, I would be off the hood, but you're so sincere about them. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, um, cause I am, you know, I really am interested to know things about people. And so I asked a lot. Yeah. I love that. Um, one thing that you talk about a lot is like our self-worth and just by you, that's just story you just told 
really shows that you do have self-worth and you've really built that, but your self-worth is connected to your net worth. And I would even add, as you're saying this, your net worth, because if we don't have any self-worth and we're not, you know, stepping out there and asking those questions or putting ourselves out there a little bit, we're not going to get those relationships too. But can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always very conscientious to say your self-worth is not necessarily equal to your net worth, but your net worth is equal or greater than your self-worth. We cannot really build our net worth if we do not believe in ourselves. We do not believe in ourselves. We are not going to be asking for pay at um, our job. We're not going to be negotiating for the big, you know, game changers, which could be stock options or bonus structure, bonus pool. Um, We're not going to be looking for partners to build businesses with if we don't believe that we have something to offer to other people. So if you're in a place right now where you're not where you want to be with your net worth, it doesn't mean that you don't have self-worth, but it's the inverse that's true. Um, And I do agree that to some degree, it's your network also. Those are all connected. Um, And had I learned that earlier in life to lean into that, like coming from a super working class background, my parents didn't have anything to offer me by that. They offered me so much more. I'm so thankful. I'm not all, you know, I loved my childhood, but they didn't, you know, they didn't have a network. They didn't know how to introduce me to people and they didn't even need to teach me. So through some family friends, we actually did have a lot of legal heart heavy hitters. And I didn't tap into that to the very end because I thought it was uncomfortable. I thought I was trying to game the system, trying to cheat somehow by calling in favors. Well, little did I know that is literally how everybody that gets ahead, that's what they're doing. I mean, the people that were the top 15% in law school, they had lawyer friends or family who told them how to study. I had to learn and teach myself and struggle. So when you have resources near you, whether it's people or opportunities or whatever, you need to lean into those. You need to, you know, create authentic um, connections and relationships uh, because that can be hugely valuable to you. And I think that goes back to your question, you know, earlier about building out and how you surround yourself with the right people. Um, It could be your personal life, but then separately, your kind of business career life you may have a different ecosystem and making sure that you're getting into the network is really important, especially for ladies who don't come from, (laughs) oh, you know, wealthy family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most people don't, you know, that was one thing that I really, I thought that if you didn't come from wealth, you couldn't have wealth. That was just the way, or you had like some special talent, you invented some crazy thing. I didn't understand that we are able to create wealth and we can get into that. But it is what you're saying, like getting around the right people. It's building that self-confidence. I love that you talk about really giving women permission to ask for what they're worth. And just even that conversation that you said you had connections, but you weren't taking advantage of them. If somebody's listening, because I mean, I can even relate to that of times where I don't take advantage of connections that I have. And so what kind of advice do you have for people to make sure Because I think we're all kind of a little bit scared of that. You said, you know, that you didn't, you thought it would be weird that you're trying to cheat the system or, but really that is like, it's a cheat code and it's, it's real. It's a real thing, but like Mm -hmm. not taking advantage of people and being authentic. How do you balance that? Yeah, I think 
to some degree, that is like a feel situation that you learn as you go. Obviously, you cannot be asking people in your network for a handout all the time. You know, it needs to be strategic asked. It needs to make sense to what you're doing. And what I usually like to remind people, uh, and actually I was just talking about this in my day job, um, working on um, a company that I wanted to work with, that I have two friends that are partners at this law firm and reminding them that it's not just about me and bringing in business to my company, but it's because I really truly believe I can support them in a better way that would Mm. greatly benefit them, that I have skills, that I have knowledge and I have experience that like these, they're not getting. Mm. And so it's when you do do that reach out to leverage to say, what is the benefit for you as well? Um, And not wasting people's time. I think that's the most important thing. And so when I know that I strategically want to align with somebody, Um, I really try to build a true relationship before I ever ask for anything. Um, Because I think that's the only way. Otherwise, it's what we always learned as a one trick pony in law school. You know, you can do it once and then they're going to feel used and you burned it. So I think that's the most important thing um, is making sure that, you know, the other person is open to mentoring you or helping you or guiding you or introducing you or whatever it is that you really need and want. And that there's a real relationship that backs that up. Um, There's one person in my network that I can think of that somebody strategically put, introduced me to in the same way. Um, And after we've spent multiple coffees together, talked about our faith together and other things, we built a real relationship and then, you know, I'll bounce stuff off of him. He'll bounce stuff off of me. Um, but it wasn't just like, hey, we're having a coffee and here we go. This is what I need from you. Brrr. Yeah. Um, you, like I'm you picking really... my brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think people think, you know, oh, can I pick your brain? Like that's like the worst thing that you can ask somebody in my opinion, because, you know, people who you want to pick their brain, they're busy. Right. So I mm-hmm. love your approach of like building that relationship and, Um, that's something that my husband and I are really strong in is our relationships is all that matter, right? Like our relationship capital. And then when you, if you're not asking for things all the time, when you truly have built a relationship, when you do ask for something, they're there and they're ready to do it because you have provided so much value to them that they're ready to jump over hoops for you. The other thing I will say, and this is what I I spread a lot because as a woman in business, um, in a more affluent area now, Um, which is where we live versus where I grew up. And um, all the people are doing business together. And this is one thing that I've noticed is that like the men aren't, they don't ask me, what do I do? What am I interested in? It just doesn't come up in the same way. I think it naturally does for men to men, which doesn't really bother me because I know this may be controversial, but there are differences in the sex, right? (laughs) There are, we have differences. And so I understand why but I have to find a way to like insert it. So yesterday I was at my son's soccer game and I knew the lady I was talking to had been working on a business with her dad. Her dad had multiple businesses and her husband is a self guy and he has some businesses too. And I was asking him about this divestiture they made and we were joking about maybe rebuying it. So I just dropped a little seed in there. Hey, I'm always looking for business opportunities. If you guys ever come across something, that you want to partner on, like, let's talk about it. You know us very well. And I would just always love to talk about it. And I mentioned, you know, the difficulty in getting a business partner 
and that I really wanted a business partner to move forward in buying a business. So I just try to drop those little hints with people I know that may have opportunities in the future or may be looking for somebody. Um, so I think just letting people know what you might be looking for, what you might need. So they maybe will think about it and you don't have to ask. Um, the other thing I was going to say about what you mentioned about pick your brain, there is a way to rephrase that, that I think is also helpful for people, especially people in business that have been super successful and, or built up their business from scratch. They often love to share their story. So if you just say, I want to know how you did it because they're very proud, they will offer that. You have to listen critically to pick up the, you know, to pick up all the nuances of that to learn. But that's a way to really learn without just the pick your brain and come in with a list of questions, right? Let them tell you their story and take it, you know, for what it is. And it's also a way to build a relationship when you're doing that. Yes, I love that so much. That is such good advice because it isn't. And you're right. Like most people want to give. Most people want to give back. They, you know, they, somebody gave them, threw a ladder down for them, right? So I think most people want to throw down a ladder, but if it's all just take, take, take. But when you ask a story and they're able to give and you're just extrapolating those um, nuggets that you can get from them and you're building that relationship at the same time, that is solid gold. Make sure everybody takes notes on that. That is amazing. I love that. I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. With women, do you, you know, I I think this is a subject you talk about a lot with women and money and just the taboo of like talking about money. Talk to us about that and how you've shifted that. Have you always been, have you always been like comfortable talking about money or did something shift for you? Well, growing up with, you know, um, I'm an early eighties girl, you know, my parents, uh, are young parents and we didn't have a lot of money growing up at one point. My grandparents, I think probably had to buy us groceries a couple of times. Um, thankfully that, you know, experience really motivated my dad to figure out like, where am I going here? And he ended up retiring recently with a very successful career. Um, but just in my early years, you know, it was, it was hard going for a while. And I think because I was old enough to see that and remember that, that I always was very keen on where is our financial position? How do we look now? My dad would not talk to me about it until later years. Now my dad is very open about where they are, where they are in retirement, what's going on. The dynamic has shifted, but I think that that has just been a cultural norm in America overall for people to not talk about money, to have these money um, narratives in their head that, you know, if you talk about money, it means you're greedy or it's just, um, you know, frowned upon to talk about money. Shift gears to when I went to law school, it's a different dynamic because the top, whatever they are, 10 or 20 law firms post their annual um 
first year associate salaries. Now you don't know, but you could kind of extrapolate. Okay, if you get a three or four percent um, your first couple of years, you know, a lot of times people want to give above the normal one and a half to three percent. So you could kind of extrapolate for a couple of years, but then you know people are negotiating. But the point is, law firms post it. So to me, that was like, okay, so now we know where the bar is, the high bar. Mm-hmm. Let's work backwards. What are we getting? What are you getting? And it just didn't feel that weird to ask people to me. Other people might have felt weird, but like I said earlier, I'm not shy about asking stuff. So I just started talking to people about it. And I found that when I started talking to people in a subtle way, in a non competitive way, or a non confrontational way, other people were interested in talking about it too. Because how do you know where you are in your organization? where you are in the industry, where you are in the market, if you don't have a few other points. And so there is no law. I like to tell people, there's no law to prevent you from telling somebody your salary. (laughs) It does not benefit companies. They're not going to encourage you because the more you talk about it, the more you may find, well, crap, I didn't ask enough. Now I'm bent out of shape. Now I'm looking. Now I'm asking for more. Um, But there's, it's us, it's a cultural issue. And then when you look to women, I just think because so much, you know, for so many years of our history, women are homemakers that the value and money was for somebody else. And so women didn't get as comfortable talking about it as early as maybe men do did. And then, you know, like your dad isn't talking to you as a girl or a daughter um, about money, maybe the way he would a son. Yeah. It's not ill intent. It's just the cultural norms of our society. And so you have to take it upon yourself and break out of it. And so I like to help women feel more comfortable talking about it because I really, truly believe you're not going to get to where you want to go unless you're talking about money. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, we we need to have more conversations about money. You know, I've, I have so many friends who there's there's not a room that they can tell what they make, right? Because maybe they would, they feel bad making their friends feel like they make too much, right? So there's like almost a shame around it when really they, they should have a space and a place to be able to be proud of what that is and also show others that it's possible. Just like what you were saying in the earlier conversation of this actually shows others what's possible. And I'm not saying you should just go around telling what your salary is to everybody you meet, but why are we not having these conversations and why is it so taboo, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and then I look at my husband who has never been in corporate America and I was telling him what, like, if I didn't want to still be in the entrepreneurial space, because what I do is basically, you know, a form of sales. So I'm not tied to a rigid schedule. I have the ability to do my investing, to do um, my coaching and everything else that I want to do. But if I went to get a job, what I could make, and he was like, they would pay you what? I mean, he was shocked because he had no idea. And I said, well, it's not just you, but that would be shocked. I think a lot of people would be shocked because they don't know how niche insurance can be and what you can make and what's out there. But that's also why I like to go talk to college students because you don't know what's until you see all the different areas. If you don't have ideas, then, um, you know, you just have your tunnel vision. Yeah. And just what you've been taught or what you have seen around you. That's why I love getting in rooms of people who are thinking bigger and who are doing, you know, there's so many times where I'm in a room with other entrepreneurs and, you know, maybe we have similar, you know, vocations or careers, but 
they think differently. And so mm-hmm. they just open your mind up to what is possible. And I think so many times we're limiting ourselves with that possibility of what that, what it could be by not opening ourselves up to other people's opinions and allowing other people's perspectives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you one that I learned that I did not know recently that I just happened because I do talk about things so much. I was joking to somebody in my office that was from a very wealthy family. And I wasn't joking him about that. It just so happened. I was making the joke while I was with him. And I said something about, oh, I have these stocks. They keep going up and down. I don't know if I should just hold on to them or whatever. And he said, you know, uh, if you're contributing and doing a bunch of charity uh, at a certain amount of time, you can just get those. And so then they grow without any tax consequences and you've made your charitable donation. So it's like twofold win-win. And I never knew that, honestly. I did not know that that was a possibility. So um, if you plan to donate, you know, 10 grand or more in a year and you have stock options that you are languishing, that might be a good option for you. Um, But it's just saying, you know, had I not been talking about my stock options, Mm -hmm. then I would have never learned that. Yeah. And it's almost like you were talking about something, not that it was negative, but it was something you were like questioning and something that you were like, should I let them go? What What does it look like? Most people are not vulnerable enough to say something like that. Right. Um, so I think your vulnerability and the way that you can just ask for what you want. Do you, I know you coach, you coach women. Um, is this a topic that you have to help walk a lot of women through of like asking for what they want or voicing their opinion? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, the fear of what I've seen is that you make, you get brave enough, you get the confidence, you believe in your heart that you, you know, have the skills, the experience um, to ask for more. And the fear is, and I think this happens to a lot of us in normal everyday life. Like you're going to ask for something like a child going to ask their parents, can I go do something? Can I go to this special party? And my mom and dad are going to say no. And then I'm going to be heartbroken because I did ask, I got the courage. And then they said no. So I think we have the twofold issue of like, we're not taught how to negotiate. We're not taught how to evaluate ourselves in that way. Again, personally, I think that can be rooted back for years and years and years that as homemakers, there was no monetary value placed on that. And now we're not used to talking about ourselves in that way or getting comfortable in that way. So we have to get comfortable. We have to understand how the process works. Then we have to get brave enough to ask and not be scared of being told no. Mm. And that's the second piece that I think, whether people consciously realize it or it's subconscious, I think that I think a lot of women are out there feeling like they should be getting more, but they don't want to go into that conflict space of like, where does this put me? What if they tell me no, then I'm going to feel worse about myself. It isn't you. It's, it's them, you know, it's not, yeah. what does that so say with coach, like dating? <laughs> yeah. How do you coach somebody to walk through that? If there is just that massive fear of somebody, that woman you just described to us, how do you coach somebody through what that looks like? Yeah, well, there's a lot of different moving pieces on how you evaluate what your real worth is and then how you stand on that number and have the confidence in that number um, that are really you know, technical points on how you go about looking at the market and your job experience. Um, and then for some people, it actually takes having some kind of affirmations. It may take months for you to get to the place where you feel like 
confident. Some people are able to really see it and feel it and take it in and go and ask. Other people need to go test the market. Some women really need to go out and job hunt and see that not only could they ask for more, but maybe the even first offer they get is way above what they thought was possible. Mm. And so they need that external validation before they really start valuing themselves in that way. And, um, and I always say there's, you know, you want to map out those circumstances specifically because you don't want to burn a bridge if you really don't want to leave your company Mm, and you don't want to be out there scouring the market and then turning people sour. Um, but then on the other piece is really understanding that it's not personal. We all have to learn how to accept rejection, to accept failure. And, you know, once you do, things and doors will open up for all aspects of your life. And that's, it's, it's a huge difference maker in your life and your success in your career, but it's really a little thing. It's not easy, but I, I say this, I feel like on my podcast all the time, the answers are always the most simple things. It does not mean it's easy. So I don't, I don't try to make light of that because it's not easy to say, I'm going to get you. I just want somebody to tell me, no, when I am looking for external validation in a salary raise that I've asked for and my boss or mentor doesn't support it. I mean, that is deflating. It can be very hard, but learning how to deal with that failure And then what do I do with that information? What does that tell me? Is it truly that they cannot afford to pay me what I feel I'm valued? Or is this a sign that they don't see me as the rock star I know I am inside? And if not, how do I find a place that values me the way I value me? And the most important thing that I really want people to understand, it's not just about the money. When you, when your expectations in anything in life, when your expectations are met, things are much easier. When your expectations are not being met, it creates a lot of internal conflict, which then whether you know it or not is flowing out into how you interact with other people at your office, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the organization, how your work product will, you know, turn out. And then when there is stress or difficulties in in your job, which happens to most people, are they going to feel overwhelming or are they going to just be normal stress? If you're in alignment, all of those things are much easier. And when you're not, your job is going to feel bad. And if you're spending a third of your life there and you don't feel great about it, Mm. that no money can make up for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you just brought up that the mindset piece, because that's probably the biggest piece of it is just how how you handle that rejection and what you do with that information because really rejection is just a redirection of where you're going and yes. and what it means and what are you making that mean about yourself um and if we can think about it you know you mentioned earlier it's like asking your mom and dad if you could go do something if they're going to say yes or no if we can think about it more in that way because now we're like well that's so silly when you're little it's a big deal right but now, as adults, when we're like thinking about that, it's like, we should have just asked because the worst somebody can say is no. And that's actually our worst case scenario. We're already living it. <laughs> you know, if you're wanting a raise and they say no, well, you're already in that. You already have a no. So you can either ask it and take that risk to get that. 
and then do like what you just said, is this where I want to stay or is my value somewhere else and making that decision? So such, such good advice. I love this. Um, can I ask you some random questions? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Um, I always like to, it's marriage, money and mayhem. So I always like to ask, a, <laughs> ask the question, what, I'm not going to ask you a sex question. I promise. <laughs> Had to throw that one out there. Um, what is something you do in your marriage that maybe isn't typical or that keeps it excellent or keeps, you know, just you guys being close? Oh, well, I'll tell you um, one thing that I always, because I'm so open about stuff that I talk to people or I tell people this pretty regularly that I, I think people are very surprised about. My husband and I don't have joint accounts. Mm. Um, he was, you know, had it, you know, older when we got married, he's eight years older than me. So I was a little bit older too. And we just, you know, at the time I have worked myself out of a, a more, um, um, small minded moneyness, you know, and being worried about nickel and dimes. And so when we got married, I just thought, you know, I know you're not a big spender. We knew where we were. Um, but I thought maybe it would stress me out if I saw little things flying out of the account that I couldn't control. So I just thought, let's just keep our account separate. And so we always have, and I think it's worked out really well. Um, I don't bother him about what he's spending and he doesn't bother me about what we spend. We have a big picture idea on where we want to go. And the big shift that I think I made as, as a person, um, growing up in lack, he probably didn't think about money as much as I did. Um, but was thinking about where we want to be with our savings and then backing into the rest mm. instead of having some crazy budget and then like watching nickels and dimes that aren't going to make a big difference to my life. I was just having an overall picture on where we wanted to save. Um, and I think, you know, going into the marriage with a really good idea on how he was and how I was on money as, you know, we were just always on the same page. Um, the other thing that we try to do regularly is, you know, just get out of our house. Um, we have three kids and so that can be a challenge. You know, he has a busy job. I do a lot of other things that interest me. Our kids are really busy. So just making sure we have time to dial in, um, and then sending each other sweet texts, um, randomly. I love that. I love that. Um, and so you guys have like a shared vision for, for your finances. You just keep your money separately. Do yeah. I, I mean, we have other joint accounts and stuff, but our just daily checking account yep. are not tied together. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Cool. The other question I wanted to ask you is if your 15 year old self was sitting in front of you right now and she saw the life that you've created, the family you've created, um, the impact that you're making, what would she say to you? Oh my gosh. One, this thought of that makes me tear up, but honestly, and people might roast me for this. I don't know. Um, she would probably say, I knew you would do it. I mean, I just always felt I didn't know how I, I didn't have some master plan, but I just always knew that this was going to be the life that I had. I actually told somebody that recently that like, it's crazy. I mean, not that it's not all perfect. My husband and I have arguments. Our kids are crazy sometimes. Like life is not all perfect. And I don't, I never try to pretend that, but literally what my life looks like, if I had been wise enough at 15 from a, you know, working class family to sit down and think about it, this is exactly the, the 
kind of elusive, whatever I was thinking, feeling, this is exactly what it would have been. Oh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) So I really, I feel like I'm living my dream, even that I got to travel internationally for work and all, I mean, literally little things that I guess somewhere we're in the, always in the back of my psyche of what it would look like having sons, honestly, was there having multiple kids. I, the only thing probably different is I had probably wanted five kids, but oh, well, I couldn't have survived. God knew <laughs> <laughs> my husband told me one time, Crystal, you know, that you will not survive if we go ahead with the fourth child. And I was like, it finally, one day I said, you're right. <laughs> you were right. And God was right. And I wouldn't have survived. <laughs> I'm, yeah. too, I'm too like, I'm just too, um, what's the word? I like have anxiety about everything being perfect. And you know, things are never perfect with kids. <laughs> yep. That's why my podcast is called Marriage, Money and Mayhem. Yes, <laughs> there I is. love there's, it. There's always, you know, that mayhem thrown into it. It doesn't mean that it's not wonderful and amazing, um, but it's also not perfect and there's craziness in it, but that's what makes it so beautiful. Um, is there something that happened in your life that really shifted your, the way that you think about money coming out? You mentioned that, you know, you used to be in scarcity. Was there a situation that happened to you that shifted that for you to get out of scarcity? I cannot really say, I cannot pinpoint it. Although, you know, when I first started working with a life coach, I think that helped me shift some, although we did not talk about money directly a lot. Some other things that he said along the way, I think helped things click. Mm. And then when I really realized that money, and it may have been listening to Ken Honda at some point, Happy Money, um, it's a, a Japanese guy that has this great book and he is like an all-star in Japan. And then he's kind of come around, but he is a money guy that talks about how we feel about money. And I think somewhere listening to him, mm. I think something in there resonated with me that like money comes, money goes. I can always make more money. And I think knowing that, now it doesn't mean I'm not working for it. It doesn't just fall into my lap. So I don't want to give anybody that impression, but knowing that I can, it's up to me. And if I am being a good steward of the world, I believe that God will help me steward more. And just knowing that and having the comfort in that, I think helped me release it. That I don't need to worry about tomorrow and stress myself out and give myself ulcers and stuff like that about a Starbucks coffee. Like, I can get Starbucks every day. I'm going to be able to afford that. And it does. Whenever I've been worried, like I want to not, I've never been worried that like, could I survive and pay my bill? But if I've ever been worried about like, I need to do this, I want to do that. When I just let it go, things would just come. Mm-hmm. And so I had to be aware enough to look for those situations and then relax in that and know the knowledge that I have the ability to continue making more, that I am a good steward of the world's resources. I'm not a wasteful person and that I have good intention for all that I want to grow. Um, and then I think also um, just accepting and not letting other people's opinion that I like to talk about money and I want to make more money. That doesn't make me a bad person. There's nothing evil about wanting more money. Yep. So just being comfortable in that, that like, I like to make more money. 
and I want to make money. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think that's really ties back into your point right before this is like our relationship with money, how we feel about money. Like that really does matter because if mm-hmm. we're in that scarcity mode and like hanging on so tight to it, you're actually attached to it if you're yes. hanging on tight to it. And when we can surrender and just let it come in and out and add value, like you said, you're adding value to the world. So of course you're going to be you're going to be paid for it because that's that's just the way money works. That's the energy of it, of what it is. It's really just the result of what you're putting out into the world. And you yeah. know, I think anytime that I'm feeling that scarcity feeling coming, I'm I have to remind myself it's I've never I've never went without. Never. Have there been yeah. times where it's been tight or we were, you know, in the early days like how are we going to make payroll? Absolutely. But we never did. We never missed payroll. So just knowing that and like I think it's like a, a surrendering to to what it is. So I love your response so much. So good. Well, thank you. It means a lot that you would even say that because that is truly what I care about. Like I want to make a difference in the world. That is like my personal mission statement. Um, and so I'm trying. <laughs> uh, you're definitely doing it. Um, for anybody who's listening, how can they connect with you? Um, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm a newbie on Instagram. Um, and I can send you my links if you want to drop those into yeah. the show notes. Um, my website is crystalwearmedia.com. Um, I'm launching some coaching for women. Um, you know, probably fairly limited. I, you know, don't have all the time in the world, but I know I love working with people one-on-one. So I'm launching some one-on-one coaching. Um, and then I'm working on a course that will be out sometime near the end of the year. Um, to really teach women um, and be a resource for them to implement all of these things that I've learned over the years into their own. Um, you know, at the end of the day, most people are going to become millionaires through their nine to five. And I truly believe the earlier you can start having money awareness, having salary awareness, having awareness of other things that you can look for and new jobs. Um, is going to make it a lot easier for women to hit that mark, um, you know, well be- before their retirement. I love that. I love that. I love that you're empowering women right up my alley. Um, if you got value out of this, please share it on Instagram and tag us both. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve, and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you are just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful Newsletter has something for you. See you next week.